Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to speak to you today off the subject, how now shall we live? How now shall we live? Today, I want to talk to you about your worldview, how you see, filter, and engage with the world. I want to read a verse to you that's been on my heart the past few weeks, and I've been quoting it the past few weeks, so I'm sure that you have heard it, but it's primarily what I want to use as a jumping off point today, and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He says, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being, are you going to finish on your own power? Are you going to get better, do better, be better by the flesh? It's a call to a church, to people, to come back to the Holy Spirit who began everything in creation and who recreated us. And I believe it's a call that I feel coming on our church, and I, I would say even the church, that the Holy Spirit would come front and center again that he would be the bedrock, the foundation that we build our life on, that he would be the well, that the water would gush up through our lives, that the spirit would be our guide, our compass, our north star, that he would be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path, that we will not try and do this out of our own intellect, out of our own thinking, out of our own quote unquote wisdom, but that we would hear from the spirit, obey the spirit and walk in the spirit. Will you pray with me right now? Just gather the family. Let's take the next 30 minutes. Let's focus in. And let's hear what God has to say to us, specifically us as a church. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present with us right now. In every home, in every car, every apartment, under the sound of my voice, God, you are present with us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you speak. Through my words, will you speak, Lord Jesus? Because we want to hear you. We want our lives to reflect you. And God, we want our church to have you as its head. So come, Lord Jesus, and lead us, even through these troubled times, lead us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen. Amen, I heard you say it out loud. You know, I believe right now we are in a very unique season. In fact, some of the older and elder people in my, li- my life um, uh, Samantha's great-grandmother, my father, some of the people that I've known that have lived long lives have said that they have never seen anything like what we're going through in their entire existence. In their entire life, they have never seen a season like the season that we're in. And I think there's probably a lot of different elements to it, but I think the, one of the primary things that God is doing in this season, in the church and with Christians, is that it is a season of separation, a season of sifting, a season where God is going to work and he's going to weed out faith and flesh. He's going to weed out spirit and flesh, particularly in the church, among Christians, between you and I, between our campuses and, and even the greater church at large. One of the things I believe that's going on right now in this season is that we are in a season of sifting. I think the problem is that we have allowed truly for the line between 
culture, and the church to become so blurred over time that we have lost our distinction as the people of God. We have lost who we were really called to be, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the one that God says is a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's very own. He calls to us, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, that we should be separated. We should be different. The reality is, I think God wants us back. He's a jealous God. He loves us immensely. And he does not want to share his people with anyone. The Holy Spirit does not want to share his people with any other spirit. Any other strange spirit, any other unholy spirit, or any other form of culture. God wants us back. And I believe right now, in all that's happening, in the shaking, in the stirring, in the sifting, I believe that God will not relent until we repent. He will not relent until we repent. He will not relent until we repent and return to our first love. Return to God alone. Jesus alone. Scripture alone. Faith alone. We see this is what Paul is speaking about in the book of Galatians. He creates a dichotomy and presents it to this church. See, if you read the book of Galatians, he comes out of the gate swinging. He says, in right in the first chapter, he says, uh, how quickly you have abandoned the gospel for some other false gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He, he, he begins to accuse them of, of abandoning the truth in, in essence, for a lie. What he says is that you have, you have gone away from Christ and you have embraced culture. And so for multiple chapters, he's coming after this cultural Christianity, which has a form of godliness, but, but lacks and denies the power. And what is the power but the presence, the spirit? And so Paul, chapter after chapter through Galatians, is beginning to try and diagram and diagnose what is going wrong with the church to pull them out of culture and bring them back to Christ. And it all culminates, I believe, in chapter 3. In this verse where he says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, he, he's bringing them back to the beginning. He's saying, do you remember when I preached to you? Do you remember what changed you? Do you remember those nights when you were face down at the altar? Do you remember when you were weeping and being cleansed from the heart? Do you remember those worship moments where you were being set free from bondage? Do you remember that prayer that you prayed that awakened your spirit? Having begun in the spirit, are you gonna now? Try and finish this journey on your own in the flesh. Do you see the dichotomy here? He's setting up two different worldviews, two different paradigms. He's setting up two different systems, two different structures, two different ways in which to engage the world with. He's saying you're either going to act in the spirit or you're going to engage in the flesh. This is the two different paradigms that he's presenting to them. But I'll tell you what, he's presenting it to us. The word of God is living and active and it's sharp. And let me tell you, it is as relevant today as it's ever been in all of human history. Go read the book of Galatians. It will be like you're reading 
something that was written yesterday. It's so relevant to where we're at right now. And I hear his words asking the church at large, having begun in the spirit, are you now gonna better yourself through your own human effort? See, he's echoing the prophet Ezekiel, who 600 years before stood in Babylon as a watchman over Israel. And God cried out through Ezekiel this phrase saying, how now shall we live? He was speaking to Israelites who were in captivity. They were in Babylon, but they were not of Babylon. They were being under oppression. They were under the boot of Babylon, but they were not Babylonian. In other words, they were in a culture that that didn't reflect them or accept them or love them or create them. And so here, Ezekiel stands as a watchman over Israel and he's presenting them a choice of the crossroads they're at. How are we going to live now? Are we going to become like the culture that has, that has hated us and enslaved us? Or are we going to be set free by the spirit of Jesus Christ? How are we going to live? How are we going to think? How are we going to speak? How are we going to pray? How are we going to raise our children? How are we going to operate in our jobs? How now shall we live? Problem I'm hearing in our church for most of the conversations that I'm having is the word confused. So many people are saying to me, I'm just confused. I don't know what to believe. I don't know where to go. I don't know what voices to listen to. I'm hearing so much noise, so many opinions. Who do I trust? What they're asking me is, what's my worldview? Because right now, there is a clash. There is a clash of opposing worldviews in the world and in the church. And people are saying, where do I put my faith? How do I walk forward? Because right now, I'm hearing so many words, but I need the word. I'm hearing so many teachers, but I need the spirit. If you feel confused right now, I I would propose to you that you gotta come back to your first love. You have to rearrange your worldview, your way to approach, come back before the Lord. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Galatia, to the church in Smithfield, to the church in Providence, to the church in East Greenwich, New Bedford, Fall River, to the church in America. He presents competing lifestyles. Having begun in the spirit, are you now gonna be perfected in the flesh? Here's the lifestyles. It's flesh versus spirit. It's living under the law or it's gonna be living under grace. It's, it's engaging in ideology or being a person of faith, belief. It's living under darkness or pursuing the light, temporary or eternal. You're either gonna be a person of the kingdom or you're gonna be a person obsessed, living by culture. This today is your challenge. Who do you serve? Who do you approach? Who do you love? I would challenge you, church, remember what changed you. Remember who changed you. Church, remember who you are. Remember who you're called to be. Remember what God has began. And he who has began a good work will be faithful if you allow him to complete 
the good work. It was the spirit of Jesus that began this. Do not now slip back to an old worldview, to an old lifestyle, to an old system. Don't backslide now. Just because the wind and the waves are swirling all around you, now is not the time to take a break. Now is not the time to sit down. Now is not the time to disconnect from the church, faith people. Now is not the time to chill. Now is the time to engage. Now is the time to come back to Jesus. Romans 8, he says this. He says, because through Christ, through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. What the flesh could never do, God did. What darkness could never do, God did. What sin could never do, God did. He brought salvation. Church, we are in a season of choosing. Sifting. It's like, it's like there's a storm that just is circling above the world and above the church. And it's as if this storm, it just won't move on. It won't dissipate. There is no outlasting this storm. There is not, no going back to normal after this. I want you to know. There is no just let's endure, let's just wait it out, then we'll get back to how things used to be. That world has passed away, it's gone. But I hear God saying, but behold, I'm making all things new. I believe God wants to make a new church, renew our faith, renew our steadfastness. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna go back. I don't wanna go back to the old. I wanna see what God wants to do in the new. And even, even if it's different or uncomfortable, not what I'm used to, I'm ready for it. I don't know about you, but hear me, this storm is circling above the church and it's, and it's almost as if God's gonna allow it and he will not relent until we repent, until we choose to side. And as the wind is blowing and as the waves are crashing, we better be anchored to something that's eternal. Because if we are anchored to anything else, this storm is gonna blow you off course. This storm is gonna take you into rough seas, the sea of self, where you're gonna have to be the captain of your own ship. You're going to have to chart your own course. You're going to have to rescue your own people. But if you are anchored beyond the veil, where your hope is in eternal things, where your hope and your faith is steadfast in Christ, though the storms come and the winds whip, we will not be shaken. We will not fall back. We will not drift away because we have chosen, chosen, that through the sifting, God, we're gonna be faithful to your church, to your spirit. Do you remember what Joshua said? When he had brought the people into the promised land and when they had conquered a lot of territory, he gathered all the people together and, and he said to them this statement. He says, to choose today whom you will serve. Choose. He says, if it's gonna be the gods of your forefathers back in Egypt, then serve them. You know, the gods that were the idols of your oppressors, picture of sin. But he goes on and he says, if you're going to serve the gods of those that are in this culture, in this land that we're currently living in, 
then serve them. What is he saying? He's saying, if you're going to backslide, then acknowledge it. If you're going to try and blend in, fit in with culture, look how they look, talk how they talk, worship how they worship, then go ahead. He says, but make a choice. And here Joshua says the most powerful statement almost in all of scripture. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are many Joshuas I'm speaking to right now. There are many young men that are leaders of families called to be pillars in the church of Jesus Christ, that God has brought you together with young women, not by accident, but by the calling of Christ. He has brought you together. And young men, I'm asking you to make the choice today. Who are you gonna serve? Are you gonna go back to the flesh, to the old, led by emotions, led by opinion? Or are you gonna say, as for me and my house, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how strange the world gets, no matter what obstacles come, we will serve the Lord. It's the Lord that brought us into the promised land. It's the Lord that brought us out of Egypt. It's the Lord that was the man of heaven when we were hungry, water from the rock when we were thirsty, who stopped the sun so that we could win battles. It's been the Lord all the way. It's been the Lord that's brought us into a land we couldn't imagine, given us children, given us blessings that we certainly do not deserve. Now, after all God has done, I'm gonna get caught up in a false gospel? May it not be so. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. See, we're gonna come after the Holy Spirit because we want the Holy Spirit, which is our promise from Jesus, to produce something in us. Because the Spirit can't get on you without producing something in you. And I would even go further to say producing something through you. And what the Holy Spirit will produce, we find in Acts chapter two, is devotion. Bible says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. The Spirit produces devoted Jesus followers. Devoted, dedicated Jesus followers. Not nominal Christians, not just church attenders, not people that might show up, maybe, uh, sort of, you know, I go there. No, when the Holy Spirit gets on you, it changes your heart and mind. You say, I found the thing worth living for and dying for if need be. I'm going to become a devoted man, a devoted woman of God. When the Holy Spirit gets on his church, he turns normal people, nominal Christians, into devoted men and women. And those devoted people, they begin to build a community. They begin to build a church, a gathering. And this is what it looks like. We see in Acts chapter two, remember, just before this, the Holy Spirit had fallen and the Holy Spirit instantly created these distinct characteristics of a church. We've been speaking about what a spirit-led church is gonna be. And church, I feel called to be leading a spirit-led church. I don't want to be led by anything other than the ever-present, living, active spirit and word of God. And, 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 and this is what it creates. Devoted themselves, what? To the apostles' teaching. Remember, this is right after the Holy Spirit was poured out on all these people. Instantly, we find that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The King James uses the word doctrine. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These are the four distinct characteristics that we see 
are produced when the Holy Spirit comes on people. And I, I want you to give me a few moments. I'm gonna dial in on just two of them. I wanna start with the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. When the Holy Spirit gets poured out, it produces the apostles' doctrine, good teaching. See, the apostles were anointed and appointed by God. They were appointed by Jesus. It is Jesus that will set good leaders over his church to work through them and build through them. And the Bible says that, that even when these men, the, the disciples who became the apostles, when they went to different cities and towns, people recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. There was just something visible on them, something tangible on them. They said, these people, they know God. They spent time with God. They've had relationship. Think about it. Unsaved, ungodly people looked at the apostles and saw the distinctiveness of them. And even they were able to say, these people have been with God. Hear me, we need to be led in community with people who have been with God. The, the, I'm thankful that we have great apostles. I mean, we don't normally use that word, but we have apostles in our church. Pastor Steve, he is a father to fathers. He's a leader to leader. He is a pastor to pastors. That's what an apostle is. And our church has always had an apostolic anointing on it. You know what apostolic means? It means that we lead. We don't look around at others and then follow. Our church is not going to look like other church churches. My preaching might not sound like other preaching. God bless them, but we have always had an apostolic calling to pioneer as a church. So we're going to look different. We're going to act different. We're going to pray different. And I pray that we can even lead other churches. I'm thankful that Pastor Steve, Pastor Nancy have been faithfully leading our church for over 30 years. We've got men like Jude Fuquay, Mike Cervello, who have decades of ministry, decades of strong marriages, decades of legacy, and they are part of our overseers. But hear me, we need the apostles' doctrine, good teaching from bold, faithful men and women. I'm thinking about how we've lost just recently Billy Graham, Ravi Zacharias. Who were they? But apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, set to help the church find its way. We have lost some pillars, but hear me, young men, it's time for pillars to rise up. It's time for us to fill the gap, hold to truth, despite the current culture and generation. The Holy Spirit produced a church that had people with fruitful lives, fruitful ministry. I mean, look at this verse that Paul says to Timothy. He, he, uh, go, go to the next one, please. Um, okay, I don't have it here, but let me, let me, let me read it to you. Uh, he's speaking to Timothy in, um, let me find my place here. He's speaking to Timothy in, uh, in the book of Timothy. And he says this, he says, you have many, many teachers. In fact, he used the word many guides. He says, but you have few fathers. You have very few mentors. You have few people that won't just talk at you, but will walk with you, pray with you lead you. You know, we live in a generation with a lot of teachers and a lot of influencers and a lot of people that want your attention. They want your views. They want your, your eyeballs on their content. They want your views to confirm their view. They want their teachings to become your lifestyle. But can I ask you, are they apostles in the faith? Do they have solid doctrine? Do they have decades of fruitful ministry. Because there are so many people, teachers, man, 
They can use amazing stories and emotional words to move you, your heart in a direction that is godless. But we are in a time where we need good doctrine, the word of God, the scripture of God more than ever before. Is this helping you? Does this make sense to you? Let me ask you, is this resonating with your spirit right now? The Bible's given you, uh, the, the word of God, spirit of Jesus is in you. Is it resonating right now? We're called, we're called to have fruitful lives, fruitful ministries, and, and we need fathers. You know, here's the interesting thing about fathers. Fathers help give you identity. Mothers nurture, fathers bring identity. Fathers, they will walk with you. You know, one of the greatest aspects of fathers they forgive. Teachers, I don't know. But fathers, they're in it for the long haul. They'll walk with you. They'll pick you back up. They'll bring you back into the flock. They'll forgive. They'll counsel. They'll help. We have many teachers. But we need good fathers. I'm thankful for Pastor Steve. Last week he preached the word on fatherhood. We need faithful fathers. Solid teaching. Because see, solid teaching produces healthy hearts. It produces healthy emotions, even if the teaching hurts a little bit. Because see, the Holy Spirit, he will convict, but he doesn't condemn. He convicts, but he doesn't heap on condemnation. He challenges, he won't let things go, but the Holy Spirit doesn't cancel. That's culture. The Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit encourages. The Holy Spirit lifts you back up. See, that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, is to help you. And through solid teaching, the word of God, like a scalpel, the Bible will come in and it will begin to divide. The Bible says that the word is living and active in Hebrews. It's alive, it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing the soul and the spirit. The word of God will show you what's flesh and what's spirit. It divides between the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, God will use the word. He will be like a, a good, faithful surgeon and he will begin to cut through the lies and the old ways of thinking and, and the wrong things your heart has accepted. It'll challenge it and he will begin to cut it away. And even if it hurts for a short time, it will heal in the long run. That's what good teaching will produce. It's healthy hearts. Poor teaching will produce angst, anger, bitterness, frustration, pride, but good teaching will produce humility, will produce strength, it'll produce vulnerability, it'll produce a life that you want to live, it'll produce joy. Even in the midst of chaos, you can have joy. You can have it because it can spring up from the word of God that's within you. But see, wherever there's the true God, wherever there's God's truth, the enemy wants to bring in the counterfeit, the, the perversion of the truth. We have the apostles' doctrine. That's from the spirit. But you know, the enemy wants to bring in man's ideas. That's from the flesh. That is the counterfeit. That's the strange fire. There's the apostles' doctrine, but then there's always going to be man's ideas. And in man's ideas, in man's ideology, we see that they'll always disregard the wisdom of the elders. They'll have no leadership. They'll have no one helping them directing them. They will only listen to people that have fruitless lives, speak emotional words, but have not love for them or the world that they're in. Hear me, church. We want good doctrine, not emotionalism. 
See, the problem is when you go over into the flesh, into man's ideas, into poor teaching, what happens is when you reject the wisdom of the elders that have gone before you, you're going to have to relearn by experience what you should have learned through inheritance, what you should have received through the wisdom and the love and the experience of the elders. We're going to have to relearn again. History will repeat itself only if we ignore it. History will repeat itself only if we do not walk in the wisdom of those that have gone before us with good doctrine, good teaching. I'm afraid that many of us and many in the church have exchanged the gospel for culture. We've exchanged the truth for a lie. We've exchanged inspiration for information. We have exchanged what God died to give us. In 2 Timothy, we see Paul warning the young man Timothy. He says, for a time is coming. I believe it's here now. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll find people that will tell them what they want to hear, even if it doesn't make them healthy, whole, even if it doesn't bring them closer to God. When they find those teachers, they will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. The Greek word here for myths is narratives, fictions. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist. I love this directive. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. God's given you a gift. He's given you a talent. He's given you a calling. Do not lay that down just because the winds have whipped up. In fact, I believe God is bringing things to the surface so that you would find a fire in your heart, boldness in your mind, spirit-filled vision to discern spirits so that, you might, so that you might understand what your ministry is and engage it right now, church. Hear me, we need your ministry. Look at what he says in Ephesians. He gives this direction. He says, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Another translation says every wind of doctrine, every new thing, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, which is the church, will be joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's what we're called to be a part of. Church, seek out the truth. Seek out the, the truth right now. Not your feelings, not the news, not the ever-changing opinions of men. Seek out the truth. Come back to the gospel. Come back to the gospel. Come back to the gospel, which says we were all sinners. We all fell short. We all failed, all screwed up. And yet God, knowing even the depths of our sin, loved us. 
And he left his place of prominence in heaven to come amongst us. And he humbled himself to death, death on a cross. And he died as a criminal, though he was the only one who wasn't a criminal in all of human history. He was perfect and yet died unjustly so that he wouldn't stay dead. But three days in the grave, the life that is Jesus Christ would rise up so that he could dispense to you and I life and life that much more abundantly. He could take our sin and shame on himself and instead give us grace and mercy. This is the gospel that he did all that without you doing or deserving any of it. But more than that, that he ascended into heaven and he prepares a place for us. And in the meantime, he has given us the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, which has come on us and lives in us so that it can lead us into fruitful lives in a powerful church, that it can create distinctiveness in our culture, that we would not look like the world, but we would look like Jesus Christ because we have his spirit on us and working through us. Come back to that gospel. Come back to the Holy Spirit. Do not exchange it for anything. The Bible says even your own righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Come into the era of mercy and grace and love. Church, I want to challenge you this Sunday, starting today. I want to call a fast for the church. Not a Daniel fast, not a water fast, something much more difficult. I want to call the church to a social media fast over the next seven days. And I want you to pray about it. But I'm asking you as your pastor to engage in this with me as a whole community. For the next seven days, I want you to log out. I want you to delete the apps. I don't want you to start tomorrow because you know it's the first thing you're gonna look at. You're gonna forget about the fast. You're gonna remember halfway through the day. You're gonna feel bad. You're gonna say, uh, ah, I missed today. Let me start tomorrow. Then you're gonna forget again. Let's start today. At the end of this sermon, I want this to be your altar call. Seven days. Let's get off, let's detox. Let's move away from that place with poisonous opinions and the place of silly accusations from an alternate reality. Let's unplug. And let's see what will happen as the Holy Spirit can speak to us and lead us. I'm asking you to join, I'm asking you to join me in this and see if the, see if the word of God will begin to renew your mind. Take those moments. See, when you have that impulse, when you have that impulse to, to go ahead and, and, and browse, pull your phone out, will you, will you direct that impulse towards prayer? You need approval? Go to your father. Let him know, God, I need to feel good about myself. I'm not gonna post, I'm gonna pray. It, it, when you need that feeling for connection, text a real person in your life. Call them up. Ask them how they're doing, not to gossip, but to encourage each other. Shoot them a verse. Ask them what God is speaking to them. Let's become the community again. Let's not get caught up in this fake stuff that's moving us, leading us away from God. Let's see what God will do. I believe by the end of these seven days, you're gonna find that you have a renewed mind. Let's test it out. I bet that you're gonna have a speech that flows with encouragement and grace.
Believe that God will give you discernment of spirits over the next seven days. Let's see, from Sunday to Sunday. And let's see what church is gonna be like next Sunday. Because I bet, I bet that the Holy Spirit is gonna show up when we give him this full week to reconnect with him. Reconnect with the spirit of truth by silencing the noise and the words and the chaos of the world. Will you join me in doing that, church? Over the next seven days, let's be in prayer, let's be in the word, let's be with each other, and let's get off social media. And uh, let me just throw this in as an aside. If you never, ever wanna get back on, I'm with you, it's probably wise. The final thing I wanna focus on in this verse is fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, good teaching, but they also devoted themselves to fellowship. This is the gathering together. This is coming together in unity, in understanding, in love. Fellowship is born of the Spirit. See, if the Holy Spirit comes on the church, then the church will begin to fellowship. This is what service is. This is what church is, that we come together in love. This is why it's so important that we do gather it's so important that we can see each other and love each other. You know why? Because, because distance creates distortion, but proximity brings perspective. With this pandemic going on, I believe one of the most sinister aspects of this pandemic is the fact that we have to have distance from each other. I think that's one of the most difficult aspects of all of this. We know that we were designed for closeness, proximity, relationship. In fact, when a child is born, uh, we know that right away that child should be put on the skin of their parent and have skin to skin because it creates a bond between the parent and the child. We were created for that closeness and, and now distance has become the decree of the day. And I'm certainly worried about the mental health and the mental repercussions of isolation. And I'm certainly worried about the spiritual repercussions of, of a lack of fellowship. Because see, when there's distance between you and your brother, when there's distance between you and those that you were called to love, things can get in that should never have gotten in. If we're not careful, we'll see people, let me say it this way, if we're not careful, we'll no longer see people, we'll just see a profile. We'll no longer see humans, we'll just see an opinion. We'll no longer see a friend, we'll see a side. If we're not careful, we can allow in that distance for the enemy to come in and begin to lie to us about who they are, what they think. Why? Because there's no other conversation. It's only in fellowship that you can have real conversations and you can feel their vibe and sense their spirit, hear their words. You can test it and you can say, oh, there's, there's love here. There's, there's togetherness here. See, this is why the enemy wants to remove fellowship from the church because it's what the Spirit wants to bring into the church. Look at Hebrews. This verse says, says, we should not be neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Did you catch that? It says, don't don't neglect to, neglect to meet together, even if some people do, but gather together even more. It's even more important as you get closer to the end. It's even more important as the day that Jesus comes drawn near. I wonder why the writer of Hebrews would tell us that. That is even more important 
unless it was gonna get more difficult in the end times to gather together. I believe that the day is coming and maybe coming quickly where gathering together might be illegal. It might be against the law of the land for whatever reason. I mean, right now we have our first amendment, which is the ultimate law of the land. And I pray that we continue to have it. But the day may come where it might no longer be allowed for whatever reason, health or politics. There may come a day where this word, this book is labeled as hate speech. You might be thinking, well, that could not possibly happen. I, I gotta tell you, it is happening. All over the world, it is happening. Churches are being shut down. In China, they're ripping crosses off churches. In, in India, they're beheading Christians. In Africa, there is civil war and many, many Christians are losing their lives. It is happening all over the world. And, and don't think for a second, it could never happen here. I remember one time I went to Canada to preach and on the way into the church, a guy asked me, he said, hey, uh, what verses are you using? I gotta check your verses. He said, because there are some verses that we can't use because it goes against the speech laws here in Canada. And that was eight years ago that that happened. There may come a day where we, we might have to, we might have to be the church despite whatever the world says. And I wanna to declare to you church, it might look different, but we will still gather. We will always gather until the end. And I hope we see it in our lifetime. But if not, we are gonna be faithful for every minute that we have. We are the church, the chosen, the radical, the holy, the set apart spiritual believers of Jesus Christ. We're gonna be led by the spirit, not by fear, not by nervousness. We're not gonna crowdsource the opinions of man. We're gonna go to the word of God we're gonna see what he's called us to be and do. We're not gonna stop serving. We're not gonna stop helping. We're certainly not gonna stop praying. We are gonna be the koinonia, the community. That's the word used here in Acts. The Greek word, koinonia, community. It's what we're called to be. And let me tell you, you are going to need a very strong, godly community in order to raise a strong, godly family. You're gonna need the community of God because you're gonna be raising your children in a culture that's very different than the culture you grew up in, even if you are very young. You're gonna be raising your children in the midst of a loud culture, a noisy culture, amidst the noise of the media, the foolishness of their friends, the allure of the world, confusion around their identity. It's not gonna be good enough to just go to church once a week. It's not gonna be good enough to just hand your kids over to any institution and hope they'll pop out on the other side okay. Parents, leaders, you're gonna to have to take an active hand in this. In raising your young people to know the word of God and be willing to do whatever it takes to be a Christ follower. You're gonna to have to teach them and you're gonna to have to train them and hear me, you're gonna need a bold community to help that. A strong community that loves your children that loves you as a family, that's for you all the way. See, the enemy hates the family and he hates fathers in the home. 
And that's why the enemy will do anything and everything to tear that thing apart because it is the building block. The nuclear family is the building block of all of creation. That's where God started with Adam and Eve. And and from there, he began to build humanity. You are gonna need that and worship and church and the word of God, which is truth. Think about it. You remember when Jesus was preaching and he started preaching a hard word and all the crowd left. See, whenever Jesus preached, the crowd showed up, but the crowd didn't necessarily become disciples. And at the end of his sermon, the crowd walked away. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, are you gonna leave too? Do you remember what they replied? He said, where else can we go? Because you are the one that has the words of life and we have believed. No matter what happens, we are not gonna walk away from Jesus Christ, from his bride, from his community, because he's the one that has words of life. And it's what we need in our spirit. And it's what we need on our children and on our children's children. And as the noise and the lies of the world increases, so the truth of God must increase in our lives. And so we're not gonna fall into the trap of the enemy, which wants isolation. We are not gonna be like Adam and Eve. Remember, right after they let in voices that they should not have let in, and they acted in a way they shouldn't have acted. Do you remember that God was coming to commune with them in the garden? And God shouts out to Adam, where are you? And I hear God shouting that out to his sons and his daughters right now. Where are you? I wanna commune with you. I wanna talk with you. I wanna pray with you. But are you listening to other voices? Are you chasing after other teachings? Have you gone so far into culture that you can't hear my call? Where are you? Do you remember Adam's response? He said, Lord, we sinned. And so we were naked and we were afraid. So we hid from you. See, the goal of the words of the enemy is always to bring you into isolation. Why? Because the spirit creates fellowship, but the flesh creates isolation. We were naked. We were afraid. So we hid from you. We were exposed. We screwed up. And so we hid from you. Do you remember God's response? It always struck me as interesting. God's response is, who told you that you were naked? Wait, wait, wait. He instantly goes to the source. He says, what other voices have you been listening to? Who have you let in to this community? It was supposed to be just God, Adam and Eve. But another voice came in. Another whispering snake came in with some other doctrine. He says, surely God doesn't say if that if you'll eat the apple, you're going to die. If you eat of the fruit, you're going to die. Then what did the voice say? No, 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 no. There's a better way. There's a better way. In fact, if you eat of that fruit, you're going to become like God. You're going to become better. You're going to find progress. Come on, you could do it on your own. I know that he created you. You began in the spirit, but come on. Let's do it by the flesh. Eat of the fruit. See what happens. What did Jesus say? He says, you let the wrong voices in. You let the wrong counsel in. You've abandoned the apostles' doctrine and you've gone after the opinions of man. You've abandoned the tight-knit community with Jesus Christ and you're going after some other community who told you that you were naked. Why? Because they lied to you but the word of God is truth. It breaks the yoke of slavery. It releases you from oppression. 
It rips the bondage off your back. The word of God brings you to the foot of the cross where there is salvation for everyone. I believe that we and the greater church are in a season of separation, of sifting between the flesh and the spirit. I believe that God will not relent until this process is complete. And my prayer is that this is the precursor to revival. Because if revival doesn't come on the other end of this, I don't know where we're headed. I don't know about you, but I am desperate for the spirit of God. And I pray if the church gets desperate enough to repent, that God will pour out his spirit on all people again. All of our institutions have failed us. All of our hope of progress of society has let us down. Anything that could go wrong seemingly has gone wrong, but this is our opportunity to throw away worthless idols, to put out strange fire, to silence the voice of the ungodly that is against Christ. Now is the time to beg God to come, to beg God to help us, to beg God to lead us, to bring his spirit close to us. Today is the day where we must choose. After having begun in the spirit, are we now going to try and finish in the flesh? Or will we return to our first love, our eternal hope, Jesus, Jesus, we're coming back to you. I wanna read a good section of verses out of Romans 8. And this will be the altar call. I'm gonna ask for, as I read this, for you to begin to contemplate and reflect. Think about Jesus and his work on the cross. Paul here is speaking about what it looks like to live a life in the spirit. And as I speak, I want you to let the Holy Spirit convict you, challenge you, speak to you, rearrange things in your life and your heart. The cameras are gonna go on the cross and I'm gonna speak. If you want, you can close your eyes. You can begin to listen. Let's hear what God has to say. Romans 8 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. Set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. But those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. But you, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also be glorified with him. Jesus, I thank you that you've called your church back to you. Lord, I pray for all those that are a long way off. May they run to you, run to the cross. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that have been living in the land of desolation of sin and self. May they come to the promised land. May they come through the way that is you, Jesus Christ. For all those that have forgotten their first love, for all those that have moved back into the flesh, we repent. We come back to your spirit. Lord, we wanna live in your spirit, by your spirit, and be a church led by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, give us a new mind. Give us a new heart, a new direction, and a new worldview. Lord Jesus, we don't want to finish in the flesh. We wanna finish in the spirit of God and finish well. Thank you, Jesus, that your hand is on us. It's on your church and on your people. God, may we glorify you with who we are. May we show you to the world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you wanna learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.